Let's go ahead and look at the uh, handout, those of you that have it and those that are not following along. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 24. Father, we just come before your glorious presence. Lord, even in the presence of your holy angels, we speak into your heart, Abba. Abba, we love you. Our Father who art in heaven, we ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation of your beloved Son. Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what you do best and what you enjoy most. You would take the things that belong to Jesus and part them to us. We ask for living understanding. We ask for a spirit of inspiration. Bring us forward today, even in this next few moments. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, the first Sunday of January, I gave a message it was the last time I spoke here on Sunday morning, pressing for the prize. And I'm wanting to do a part two. So what I'm doing this morning is part review from that Sunday and part review from what I shared Saturday, uh, just this Friday night. So some of you were here Friday and you're going to hear some of the same stuff. It's part review and overview of what I believe the Lord is saying right now to the body of Christ. And I believe that it warrants repeating over and over. And on these next 10 Friday nights, we're going to take some of the themes I'm going to give a broad strokes overview this morning, and we're going to unpack them with more detail. And we'll have prophetic dreams and ministry time and sometimes small group discussions and all kinds of things. Well, in this fast, I want to give us Again, everyone's not leaning into the fast in the same way. And don't feel uh, good, bad, or ugly about that. The Lord has seasons for everyone. And again, this review and overview, even from Friday, is so that we're all in the conversation together. Because the Lord's called us to be a spiritual family. And we need to be in the conversation together, regardless what application we have in our personal lives. There's a family conversation that we're in, and that's what this review and overview is about this morning. Well, as we're fasting these, these, uh, this next season, in one sentence, in one sentence, we're praying for a historic visitation of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's one sentence, and there's many subpoints to that, <clears throat> to touch our families, <clears throat> to revive the church, to win the lost. Many, many things. Increase the prophetic spirit. So we're praying for a historic visitation of the Holy Spirit, an increase of Holy Spirit activity, again, to restore the church, touch our families, restore families, touch the lost, a great revival, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there's three sub-themes that we've identified as a leadership team, and these three are, don't cover everything. Uh, one sub-theme is the one that uh, Lou Engel has really trumpeted the most. And we're going to lean into this and trumpet it, but we have some other themes as well. And that is we're, we're standing, we're contending for Israel. Now, many believers in this spiritual family, you would agree Israel's important. But you might also say, I don't fully get it, but I know it's important. The Israel thing is important. And some, many who join this spiritual family, they testify, myself being one 38 years ago when I first came here, I'm not into the Israel thing. I don't get the Israel thing. And Bob Jones and his famous words were, 
Well, you will. Promise you, you'll get it. <laughs> so it took me a little while, but I wasn't into the Israel thing. I was into the revival and the church thing. But there is an Israel issue in God's end time purpose. And we're going to talk a little bit about that on Friday nights here and there. But we're going to be praying about it on Sunday mornings. I, I mean, in the, in the prayer room for the 40 days, as we have for 22 years. But I want to put that theme, Israel. Things are steaming up around Israel with Iran and, uh, you know, nuclear weapons and getting the uranium and all, all kinds of things are stirring. I'm not going to break that down right now, but that's one theme in the 40-day fast. The other theme, the, the one that really concerns me, I mean, that one concerns me of Israel for sure, is the Lord rescuing the body of Christ and our nation, but the earth as well. But we're locked into praying locally in our nation and the world as well, of course, rescuing us from the Laodicean spirit of compromise. Because there is a rescue commitment Jesus has for the end time church. It is going to happen. The church is going to be delivered from a spirit of compromise and spiritual dullness and spiritual boredom. And the church, before the Lord returns, there will be a billion soul harvest and the church will be walking as a prepared bride with a vibrant spirit. I mean, the Laodicean believers are going to be transformed in the days to, in these days, but in the days that un, uh, unfold. I'm confident of that. But we need to be serious about it and we need to be intentional about being rescued from that Laodicean spirit of compromise from Revelation 3. And that spirit of boredom, that spirit of dullness, and the wrong ideas and mindsets, etc. But the third area is that Psalm 2. And again, those of you that have been around, you've heard Psalm 2. You might not really get what Psalm 2 is, but you've heard that's a very important passage in this spiritual family. And Psalm 2, David prophesied 3,000 years ago that the kings of the earth would rise up with the rulers of the culture to drive the influence of the Word of God out of the culture. And in the last couple of years, the last 10 weeks, that is escalating so rapidly. And what David really means is they're going to take a stand against people who have biblical values, and there's persecution coming. So I'm wanting us to contend for Israel, for the full blessing of God. I want us to be rescued from the Laodicean spirit of compromise, locally, in our families, in our own hearts, in our city, and I want us to be bolstered in strength so we stand strong in the accelerating persecution that's coming through our legal system that David prophesied in Psalm 2. He was actually prophesying about this time of history right now. Well, those are the three broad strokes themes uh, that are under the category of a historic visitation of the Holy Spirit. And we'll be talking about those themes and we'll be mentioning them regularly on Friday and on Sunday. But I want us all to have those three. For Israel, rescued from the Laodicean spirit of compromise, and strengthened to stand with joy steadfast in the even the legalizing of the persecution against biblical values in our legal system that's accelerating rapidly right now. But the Lord has got it under control. He's going to have a vibrant church with a billion soul harvest, and we get to be a part of that. Us, along with millions of others across the world in the body of Christ. Well, let's look at this title again, this part two, Pressing for the Prize. I mentioned the first Sunday of January when I gave part one. That was about eight weeks ago. I mentioned 
that Philippians 3.14, that's the verse I'm pulling this title out of. Paul said, I press for the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And Paul was at the end of his life, and he was still pressing for that prize. And if I had one word, one verse, well, it'd be impossible to pick one. But I'm picking this one for right now because we got Song of Solomon 8.6 and a hundred other good, really good ones. But I want to, God to mark this spiritual family, not just in 2021, but in this next year's, it'd be Philippians 3.14. That as a community, even in our weakness, even in our coming up short, that we keep pressing, we keep reaching, we keep reaching for a breakthrough, yet a greater breakthrough, yet a greater breakthrough, never, ever letting go. To our very last breath in our natural life, we're pressing, like Paul, for yet another breakthrough, another measure. We don't measure how far we get. In my early days in the Lord, I measured. Is how big of a breakthrough have I, do I have? And I quit measuring a long time ago. Because number one, I don't have enough insight to measure how far I'm going. And number two, when I measured it, I had to acknowledge I slipped back a few times. So I said, quit this measurement thing, you know. And you can't do it anyway. But one thing I've been resolved to do, and many of you are, are resolved, and it's characteristic of this spiritual family. It's one of the hallmarks of the grace of God in our spiritual family. It's the reach. Coming up short, stumbling, promises delayed, hindrances, difficulties, setbacks, but pressing, pressing. Lord, we're not letting go. That has been a hallmark, grace of God in this spiritual community for many years. And again, we're at all different levels of breakthrough, all different levels of attainment, and we don't want to measure that or define that. But the newest believer and the most mature believer can be unified together in the press together. And we want our children and our grandchildren to be raised in a spiritual culture where there's always more. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. We want our six-year-olds and our 20-year-olds and our 30-year-olds to think that's normal, to press for more in the grace of God. Well, I've said all that like a broken record over the years, but it just, again, I want that in the middle of our family conversation. And I believe the body of Christ worldwide is, they may not use that verse, but they will have that spirit of reaching and pressing. Well, paragraph A, and I'm not going to do all the notes. I, I, get, I covered half of these Friday night, and I covered the other half uh, last uh, in January. I mean, the first Sunday of January. And again, I'm wanting to review and overview so we're in the same conversation. We can't too often refocus on this. Talk about it to God, to one another. Search it out. You know, ask the Lord for help. Paragraph A. I see the roaring 20s. You know, I'm stealing that phrase from 100 years ago. I believe this next decade, I, this is a measured statement. It's a, it's a dramatic statement, but it's a measured one, meaning I've thought about it a lot. doesn't mean I'm right, but I think it's right. That this next 10 years will be one of the most dramatic, significant, transitional decades in human history. That's a big statement. But if it's true... If it's close to true, and I believe it's, it's absolutely true, we need to be intentional about paying attention like no time in history. I'm talking about a transition, the earth transitioning. 
to a new way, a new conversation in the globe. The last 12 months, I mean from March 1st to March 1st, there is a new global conversation. And some of that conversation among God, the, uh, the Lord's people, there's a new conversation of going after God. There's a new conversation of hostility. There's many narratives that are in the culture. That conversation has many facets. But one thing is clear. In the last year, the conversation of the planet has changed. But we're at the beginning of the beginning. There's a glorious conversation, and there's a dark one and all kinds of shades in between. But it's true, I believe, that we are in a transitional decade, that the earth, the way we live, talk, and carry our hearts on planet earth is transitioning compared to all of human history like no time in history. We're in a very important training season right now. I'm talking 2021. I'm talking about March, April, May. Next March, April, May. It's, it's not a month. It's not just 40 days. It's not for a few weeks. We're in a, a training season of the body of Christ. Another dramatic statement, but it's true. And, I, and, and we kind of like all go, yes, but I want it to dawn on us in a new way. That here it is. The human family is in the balance of how the body of Christ responds to this training season in the next year or two. The human family, the 8 billion, are in the balance to what 50 or 100 million believers in the earth, how they respond to the Lord this year, next year, the year. I mean, I don't know the time frame, but in the near future. We're in that type of a training season. This isn't like five years ago or 10 years ago. It's different. I want that to strike us. It is different now than it was five or 10 years ago. Five, ten years ago was important, really important. The earth is in a time of transition. Jesus called it birth pangs or birth pains, depending on which translation you use. And we'll get there in a moment. But those birth pains are global birth pains, not regional ones, meaning they affect the global conversation. And those birth pangs lead to the birthing of a new reality. There's a new world order coming called the millennial kingdom. A glorious one. I'm not talking about the demonic one, the counterfeit one, where Satan, the God of this world's involved in, that people have talked about a new world order. I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about the real one, not the counterfeit. With a man with a resurrected body coming down to the earth, reigning on a throne, the earth transitioning to the age to come, and the glory of God filling the earth, the Garden of Eden conditions, love and righteousness, and family joy all over the earth. Beloved, we are close to the transition of the planet to the age to come. You didn't get to pick to be born in this generation. But guess what? You were. God chose you. And for such a time as this, you're 10 years old or you're 90 years old. You're at the right time, at the right place of history. But it's going to be very challenging. Like the challenging, I go, ah. Why couldn't I have been born a few years earlier and kind of missed the challenge and watched from the balcony of heaven and cheered all you guys on? Go, go. The Lord says, no, no, you're going to be in the challenge. But you're going to see the glory too. See, I want the glory. I just don't want the challenge, but they come together. I want to see the baby, but I don't want the birth pains. There's no such thing as a clean birth. Births are bloody and births are painful. 
But the baby is so glorious, Jesus said in John 16, you forget all the anguish for the joy of the baby. In one sentence, one sentence, it's worth it. But it's going to take an intentionality. That's the phrase. To lean into the Lord in a new way. I'm talking about this year. It's different than five years ago. It literally is. Some of you kind of know that. Some of you say it. But it's, I've been saying it for some years, these kind of things. But it's really hitting me. It really is different. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Game on. Okay. I mean, I secretly, I'll confess my carnality. I was hoping to get all you guys ready. Then the Lord come. I mean, then I go to the Lord and cheerlead from the balcony of heaven and say, go, you guys. You know, Isaac, you and all your kids and all your generation, all this, go for it. Go for it. Up there with Bob Jones over smiling and Paul and David. But I, it's game on now. It literally is. And we got to get into the narrative. I don't mean we got to get into eccentric, crazy ideas. The narrative is, the pressure's increasing for real, and the glory's increasing, and the success is guaranteed of the body of Christ and the, and the billions of harvest. That's the narrative, and they each got about 10 subpoints to it. It's not one of these days. For 40 years, I've said, one of these days, you know, it's going to start increasing. I've said for 40 years, you know, I think there's people alive on the earth, and I always met the five-year-olds, you know, that will see the coming of the Lord. And someone says, well, don't you? Well, if you die, you're right there. I mean, glory without all the trouble, you know. Jesus, I love you. I love being next to you. But he goes, no. You're going to see these things on the earth. And again, there's no such thing as a clean birth. They're bloody. They're painful. But the glory of what is the result of it, the transition of the planet to the age to come, do you know there's only one generation that transitions the planet to the age to come? Only one. Of all the generations since now, only one is that transitional generation. And there's more in the Bible about that generation than many other generations added up together. There's a reason that Jesus, the apostles, and the Old Testament prophets gave more information about one generation of time. It's the transitional generation. Beloved, we're in a transitional decade. And I don't think it comes to completion in this decade, but things are changing radical. And I mean the last 12 months, the last 12 weeks, the next 12 weeks, I mean it's going fast. And I think the changes are going to be more radical than we know, but so, so will the manifestation of power on the church. So will the number of people that cast off this this a spirit of contentment with their superficial spiritual relationship with the Lord. They're going to say, no more. I'm going deep. Why not me? Hundreds of millions are kind of content where they are. They don't like it that much. They go, oh, I wish I was deeper, but so what? I'm not going to do nothing different. Hundreds of millions are going to cast that mindset off and go, why not me? I got good news for you. The Laodicean church with a compromise and I, we got all the notes in here. And you all know those verses anyway. And I probably won't get to most of this today. I'm just kind of talking from my heart. Because I want us in the same conversation. That's really what I'm talking about. We're in the same conversation. Because we were brought to this house at such a time as this. For this season. Just like the other believers were brought to the house that they're at all over the earth. 
You are my people and I am your people and we're in this together. Whether we chose it or not, we're here together at this hour. Yes. Okay. Okay. Game on. Let's do it. But here's the good news. The Laodicean church does get transformed. The weak and broken, compromised, lukewarm get on fire. Because the Jesus' commitment to raise up a prepared bride is stronger than the weakness of the believers with the Laodicean spirit. There's a stronger power than the power of lukewarmness. And lukewarmness is powerful. I mean, we just get lulled into it. Well, I guess it's going to be, I got so many failures, I don't know. The Lord says, no, I got good news for you. I'm stronger than that. Even for you. Even for you. You know, Jesus is a whole lot better teacher than I am a student. And he's a lot better leader than I am a follower. And my confidence is that, and it's in the book. It's all over the end time chapters that he breaks in and rescues his people, and he rescues them in such a way because their history of no way were they going to make it, and there's, they're all filled with gratitude and humility for their victory. Nobody is strutting at the end of the day. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5, says they come up out of the wilderness of this fallen world, leaning on their beloved. They're leaning and they're limping like Jacob, but filled with the promises of God. Nobody is strutting in the victory. And there's one trophy case in heaven. And there's one bridegroom, king, and judge. And this bride is absolutely lovesick, but with gratitude and humility. And the Lord says, I led history just right, didn't I? This is the end game of where we're going. But I got good news for you again. His commitment to the end time church is stronger than your fears, weaknesses, inability to follow through. I mean, we all got all of those. There's no super saints. Everybody's born in weakness and sin. There's people that the Lord shows power to, and he's going to do it to a generation, and he's going to absolutely just shock the earth by the transformation of the end time church. But it's people like us all over the earth. But we have to be intentional. And, and the, the gift of what I'm giving you today, it is a gift. And here's the gift. I'm just saying, be alerted to be intentional. Because we all know the message. And we all kind of paying attention. But by nature, me as well as you, we lose sight of how real and present it is right now. So the gift for today, I mean for all of us, is be aware and be intentional. It's real. And it is game on. It really is. And you're born at such a time as this. Well, we're never going back to how it was before 2020, ever. The earth I'm talking about. Never, ever will the conversation go back. The good and the bad conversations. And never will life be the same as it was before 2020. Big statement. But I want you to go, okay. Because Second Peter 3 says... Second Peter 3, it's not on the notes, but Paul said, Peter said this, Second Peter 3, verse 3, he said, first of all, like first of all, really? He's giving an end time prophecy? First of all, he says, be aware of this, there's a mocking spirit that will be operating even among the people of God. And they will say, things have always been this way, they're never going to be different. There's a mocking spirit, Paul, Peter said, first of all, know that, because if you get captured in the residue of that mocking spirit, well, it'll be the same. I mean, a little bit different than 10 years ago. You will miss the narrative. And beloved, we only change little by little 
our mindsets, and we need to be leading into the narrative little by little because that's the only way that we really get it. And if there, if you're in caught in that residue of a mocking spirit as all of the body of Christ, ah, things are going to get better. Don't worry about it. Don't be alarmist. I'm not alarmist. I want to be a realist with faithfulness to the biblical narrative. And it is, there's a mocking spirit saying this generation will be like the last one, like the last one. They've always said it was going to be different, but it never was. That's the mocking spirit. Second Peter 3, verse 3, Peter said, be aware of it first. That's of top priority that you're not captured by that spirit. Because if you're caught into that false narrative, you will not be alert and watching. And when we're watching things, we see the biblical statements. We're watching what's happening in the culture, good and bad. And we see the biblical statements. It creates urgency. It creates, okay, okay, it's happening out here. The biblical signs of the times. There's many of them. The Old Testament prophets gave them. Jesus gave them. The apostles gave them. There's more signs about one generation. We read the signs. We see what's happening in the culture real bad. And we see what's happening in the church. Some falling away for sure. But there's new things going. And we go, okay. And little by little, it really is slow. Our paradigm, our perspective, we're transitioning. We're getting ready. We're getting the Lord. The Lord says, that's my mercy. My mercy, so because it came suddenly in one minute, and none of my people knew the shock of it would overwhelm them, and many would just cave in and retreat and abdicate and go, go hide in caves. He goes, no, I'm going to let some decades pass, and you're going to see more and more. You're going to understand the biblical signs more, and you're going to see them emerging in the culture. Wow. And in the church, you're going to go, yeah, yeah. And you're talking among each other. That's called in the Bible, watch and pray. You watch the signs in the word. You watch them happen in the culture. They happen little by little, and you talk to God about them. And you know what happens when you watch and pray? You end up talking to your friends about what you're watching and praying about. You know what happens when you talk to your friends about it? They watch and pray. Your conversations change. You get more and more ready. It always bothered me that in the end time passages, the greatest pastor shepherd that's ever walked the earth, Name is Jesus. Here's all these end time things, a lot of negatives and some, some really amazing positives. You know what he says? I mean, nobody would vote him to be pastor of their church. He gets up on Sunday morning, lays out it all. He goes, watch and pray. Like, and? No, no, just watch and pray. Like, Jesus, isn't that a little bit simplistic? No, it's not. How about store up water? How about save batteries or something? I mean, Watch, that's it? Watch your prayer. goes, you watch the biblical signs, and you watch them emerge in the culture. They're emerging over three or four decades. So they're emerging fast, but slow. Slow in the sense it's not one day. Fast in the sense it's three or four decades. It's still pretty, you know, it's like, okay, but we're acclimating. We're acclimating. We're, accl- we're realigning. We're realigning, we're adjusting our perspective. We're dreaming of the future. We're shifting our dream of the future a little bit, little by little. We're dreaming differently about the future in 2020 than in 2002. We're thinking different, going, okay, if this means that. Hmm. Now, when you watch the Bible, those signs, and you watch the culture and what's happening in the church, and you talk to God, I'll say it again, you end up talking to each other because it's grabbed you. Then we, you end up in a, in a, uh, this mutually, equally yoked, 
uh, spirit together where you're watching together. I don't mean you're just watching to escape. You're not watching like, I hope the rapture comes any minute. It's not coming in a minute, just so you know. He's going to bring the church through the difficult times called birth pangs to bring victory. But when we talk about it, and I don't mean just the Lord's appearing in the sky, that we're participating with his leadership. We're participating with the John 17 family dynamic of kingdom relationships brought to a supernatural unity and affection. People of different values and races. There's a unity that's supernatural in John 17. It's in contrast to the betrayal spirit that's happening in the earth and in the culture and in the church. There's this glorious thing and this biblical end time narrative as we're, it's really his leadership as we're watching in the Bible, we're watching it in the culture, we're talking to God, we're talking to each other, more clarity comes, more confidence comes, more peace comes. Trouble increases, but we have more understanding, more peace, and we have more friends in unity with it. And it's bonding, it will bond people all over the earth and prepare them. And so I have to take my words back. Jesus is so nice, he, you know, he gets it. I go, actually watch him pray on second thought, or the thousand thought, that's really the right thing to do, Jesus, because the dominoes go down. The trajectory is set in motion if you watch and pray. But if you're captured with the mocking spirit, the residue of it, I don't mean just blatant mockery. Plenty of those are in pulpits all over the earth. Then you're not going to watch. You're not going to pay attention. You're not going to have the conversations. You're not going to bond with people around the glory and the trouble and how we self-sacrifice and pour ourselves out for one another and for the lost. I mean, the lost will have no idea what's going on, but we're going to be vessels. God's going to raise up the body of Christ, and it says in Matthew 24, that you got the verse there in verse 14. I have it on the notes, but you've all heard it. He says, the trouble's going to increase, but the gospel of the kingdom is going to every nation. And the word nation is ethnos. There's 12 ethnic groups. There's 12,000 distinct people groups in the earth. Uh, some uh, researchers say, some say 14,000, some say 16. I don't know. I don't care. My real point is it's a lot more than 10 or 20. There's 12,000 plus distinct people groups. Here's the point. The gospel of the kingdom is going to every one of those 12,000 groups with power. Here's my real point. God's going to use people like us who get rescued from a Laodicean spirit We are going to be the prophets, collectively I'm talking about. I don't mean everyone's a prophet. We will be the prophetic witness in the the face of demonic darkness, a pornified culture, evil, murder of the saints. There will be a steadfast prophetic witness in all 12,000 people groups. And the church will be maturing with a vibrant spirit, fearless in the face of death. We're not afraid of death. Our beloved is the resurrection. He, doesn't, he, doesn't, he wasn't just resurrected. He is the resurrection. Beloved, they kill you one second later. You're, you're in absolute paradise. And you're going, oh, my goodness. I mean, we're sad for the people that are left behind. But the guy who gets killed, he's, like, he's going, oh, my goodness. I had no idea. I would have jumped in the middle of this thing sooner. No, throw that away. You don't want to mess with that. You want to do the will of God. That, we're fearless of death. But not yet. Yet, there's that little bit of, not a little bit, a lot of dullness, boredom. Like, yeah, I don't want to die. I don't want, you know, I just, you know what? I love Jesus. I just want my life to go easy. <laughs> Come on, just make it easier, Lord. He goes, well, it's not going that way. 
I'm going to transform the whole lot of you, and there's going to be a, a, a spirit of revival in all 12,000 people groups of the earth, and the rescued church will be my prophetic voice. And they will, in self-sacrificing love, they will stand in the gap for them. They will love Jesus even more than their own life. Re- uh, Revelation 12 says, not a f- fearless before death. Fearless before death. And unbelievers will go like, what is it you get that we don't get? Number one, you got biblical answers. You have some wisdom, but you have this confidence, this boldness, and this connection with one another. And you're all different races and different backgrounds and different social status. But like you all have the God narrative about each other. Like, beloved, that's what God wants us to be a part of. I mean, millions of us in the earth. Well, I think we're still on paragraph A. Like, you know, those of you that know me, I don't care about these. If I ever get past paragraph B. I just want us in the conversation together. I want us to press on. I want us to press on no matter what. That's in one sentence what I'm saying. To be alert that the danger and the trouble is increasing quickly. Be alert. The promises of breakthrough, revival, and recovery are real. There's a day coming, Acts 2 said it, where every one of the sons and daughters, every one of the born-again believers will have dreams and visions. You know, I've talked to pastors over the years, and I get it that people don't believe in it. I get it. I'm not even troubled by it. I've talked to different guys. They go, you know, I don't believe in this dream and vision thing. I said, that's okay. Let's talk about Jesus because you're going to get him anyway. <laughs> I don't even want to argue about it. The only ornery thing I have was when I talk to these pastors, I pray their wife gets it first, you know, <laughs> and tells the elders group that are against it and then let them hiccup for a month or two until he gets one. I do have that one little evil streak, streak in me, you know. I've actually said that to pastors. I said, I don't want to argue about that. You love Jesus. I love Jesus. Our city needs to say, let's do that. Well, you got some heresies. You believe in dreams and visions. It's going to take care of itself. I don't even have the energy to argue about it. Let's just love each other and talk about the beauty of Jesus. Like, and I pray your wife gets it first. Ha, ha, ha. They go, that's not that funny. But I've, I've done that a few times. I always get a kick out of it. And then I blow them a kiss and we laugh and hug. And then we wait for our next meeting. We're in a global training center, paragraph A, we, a season. I'm talking about this year, next year, the year after, you know, a few years. Well, I mean, till the end, but a really intense one now because the vast majority of the body of Christ in America and in the earth are weighed down by a Laodicean spirit of compromise. They're content mostly. They're not that happy where they are, but they're not bothered enough to make changes. You know, they go, eh, I don't know, the Bible's boring, prayer's boring, church is boring. My wife makes me go, and, you know, I'll, do, I'll go to the home group and endure it just because if I don't, I get in trouble. But I get it. The most of the body of Christ is in that state. And I'm not even complaining about it. I'm saying this. The Lord's going to rescue us. He's going to rescue the church. And it's this year, next year, the next year, the next year. We're in the season, a critical transitional decade right now. This is not an hour to sit this one out and say, well, I'll wait till the next round. Paragraph B, the analogy that I've used over this last year is the body of Christ is swimming against the one-mile-an-hour current. Like, we're in a river, and the current's a mile. And, and I've, I'm not a swimmer. And, I mean, you know, when I was 12 years old, I went to the pool. But I'm not a swimmer, but I've asked swimmers, and they said, one-mile-an-hour is real. 
to swim against one mile an hour, you can do it, but it's going to take effort. And you can't do it forever. I mean, but two miles an hour is really harder. And, and I've heard, I've looked at the internet and asked a few swimmers. They go five miles an hour. The internet says it's dangerous. You uh, Olympic swimmers can only do that for a short time. But there's a five-mile-an-hour current coming in a decade, two, three, four. I don't know that. I don't know th- that timing. But it's, I believe, within the lifetime of people in this room. Right now, we're in a one-mile-an-hour current. In the 70s, I was pastoring in the 70s. And in the 80s, I remember pastoring. There were politicians bragging about being born again and presidents. I remember in those days in the classroom, a little bit of hostility. But people were openly open, and it was easy. And there was the moral majority talking about Jesus and politics. And it wasn't super easy, but it wasn't a one-mile current against us. It is, I've been pastoring 45 years. It is so different the last five years. And the guys and gals I know of that I talk to that have been pastoring 40, 45, whatever years, they say there's nothing like the last two or three years. I'm only saying that to those of you that are new. You don't know how different the environment is from the 70s and 80s. There's a current distinctly, and we're swimming against it. It takes more vigor. It takes more energy. It takes emotional energy. Like, ah. And the Lord says, I'm using this to build your spiritual muscles. Because down the road soon, there's a two-mile-an-hour current. It's not going from one mile an hour to zero. There will be reprieves, but it's going to go to two. Then it's going to go to three miles an hour. And then the ultimate, the final seven years of this age with the harlot Babylon and then followed by the great tribulation, it is five miles an hour. But it's still doable with the power of God. And God's going to have a victorious church and a billion soul harvest. But it's, it's time. The Lord is telling us, IHOP, and I'm talking as, as, a, as a shepherd, we don't want to sit out this season. So, you know, I'm going to start getting a little more serious. Let me finish these three little things I'm involved in, and then I'll, I'll pick it up. It's the time now. And I don't mean that you're going to, you know, be the most this, that, or the other, but you're going to lean in. You're going to be conscious about building your spiritual muscles in a new intentionality, a new intentionality, because the Lord is, in his grace, is giving the one-mile-an-hour current to train us. I mean, millions of us worldwide, none of us are liking this. I mean, every believer, I've talked to lots of pastors on Zoom calls in the last year. They're all in the same thing. A lot of churches, I know a, a number of pastors with 30, 40,000 member churches, they're saying, we got 10 people in our auditorium, and it's horrible. It's like, what's going on? I mean, everyone, every ministry in the earth is dealing with it. It's a global birth pang. These birth pangs are global. They affect the global conversation. The reason I say that, because some people think of the birth pangs that Jesus said in Matthew 24, in the passage there, they think of them as trends through 12, you know, 2,000 years of history. No, the birth pangs lead to a birthing, a new birthing. It's the age to come, and it's Jesus' leadership. It's transitioning to the age to come. The birth pangs are meant to signal the baby is right around the corner. So... The theologians and friends that I have, they go, oh, it's 2,000 years of birth pangs. Don't worry about it. No, those birth pangs didn't create global conversations. Those birth pangs didn't shift the global economy. Those birth pangs didn't change global legislation. These birth pangs do. They are very different, and COVID is one. The economic pressures 
Everybody in the globe in leadership is talking about them. And there's 10 new things and new laws coming, new legislation that is real bad and, and new resolve in the church that's real good and a lot of it in between. My point is, we don't want to sit out the one mile an hour current and go, this is harder than 10 years ago. I'll sit this one out. Hopefully, it'll go down to zero. No. It's not vacation swimming. It's going to go to two miles an hour. But if our spiritual muscles are built, paragraph C, how do we build spiritual muscles? It's not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not confusing. Not confusing. Here's how you build spiritual muscles. Real easy. I mean, to understand. It's the thousands of small decisions you make over the months and years. Thousands of small decisions. I'm deciding. Guys speak against me. I'm going to be humble. I'm not going to pay him back. I'm going to be humble. I'm not going to whisper about him. The Lord says, that's, that's good. Your muscles. You're building it. There's a time where we can serve in an appropriate way. Some people will serve you to death right out of the will of God, break your life while they're pulling you out of the will of God. So I don't mean every opportunity to serve you should do it. But serving and self-denial, we make choices. We choose obedience when there's an easier, more comfortable choice. In our money, in our appetites, in our relationships, we choose obedience. And we make those choices, thousands of small choices. We read the Bible. And we talk to God when we read the Bible. That's a spiritual push-up. I remember, I mean, I'm the miracle of miracles. What I mean by that is I remember talking about it. Some years ago, I was in college, a long time ago, but I didn't like reading the Bible at all. And I'll say real clearly, I hated prayer meetings. I loved outreaches, and I loved Bible studies where we could all talk and have fun and, you know, and then afterwards have fun afterwards. And, but it was me and the Bible and prayer. The Bible was so confusing. I didn't know the difference between an apostle, a disciple, a gospel, an epistle. They were all like, what in the world is this? It was so boring. I told God, if you would make the Bible more interesting, I'd read it. I couldn't hardly stand reading the Bible. No, I mean, for real. And if an angel would have appeared to me when I was 20 years old, yeah, young man of God, you will have 24-hour prayer, I would have collapsed in despair. <laughs> I'm not even joking. A lot of you think of me, well, you love the word and you love the prayer room. You have no idea. Here's the miracle. It happened to me. But you didn't know me then. So you think, eh, you're just being crazy. No. No, I avoided every prayer meeting I could. And the Bible, I'd go to, I loved Bible teachings, but I didn't like reading the Bible. I couldn't make sense of it. I didn't know what a Corinthians was. I thought it seemed like a dumb name for a, a book. Remember the first time I, some leader came and I was teaching the youth group because they made me teach the youth group. I didn't want to. They made me. I said, I want to tell you, turn to the book of Palms. It's right after the book of Job. And I read the book of Job and couldn't find any insight for a summer job. None. It was totally confusing. The guy goes, it's not palms and it's not job. It's Job. I go, why is it spelled job then? He goes, my point is this. Those of you that have known me the last few years, you go, oh, you love the Bible. I do. But I am a testimony that you don't really get if it happened to me. I'll just tell you since I'm in this conversation, and then we're going to end in just a minute. We'll pick up more on Friday. But uh, I remember I was in a Q&A. I was about 23 years old because I was 18 in college, and I, and I overtly did not like prayer. I loved Jesus, and I liked meetings, and I liked outreaches. 
I liked activity. And I remember when I was 23 years old, I remember this vividly. I was in a, in a Q&A time with about 50 people. And the lady asked a question. It shocked me. She goes, when did you start loving the Bible? I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, you obviously love the Bible. When did that happen? I stopped. I literally, just tears. I went, my uncle loves the Bible. Oh, my God. I didn't even know I did. Wait. I'm used to not liking the Bible. I mean, I love the Bible as a concept. She meant reading, and I went, I don't even know when it happened. And it, tears start coming. They go, she goes, are you okay? Or did I offend you? I go, oh, no. I had an epiphany. The guy who couldn't stand it likes it. Ah! This is going to be one of my life messages. People like you can get changed. I went, oh, my God. So I still wasn't ready for 24-7 prayer. Like, I didn't want that angel at that time yet. I, not that much yet. I like the Bible. I didn't like prayer yet, but I like the Bible. My point is, people like you and me, there is rescue. This is the hour. Talking to God when we read the Bible. It's okay if it's boring. Stay with it. Not 10 hours a day, a little bit. Make those choices. Deny those few ungodly choices. I tried it, but I slipped back into it. Jump back up, push delete, and and go again. And realign your mindset to his leadership when the pressure increases. Instead of going, how dare you? And I'm going to quit following you. And I thought you were going to love. Stop that. Say, you know, your leadership is excellent. I don't get it. You do. I'm going to line up with your good leadership. And you line up little by little to his leadership. You align, you adapt to it. And even the biblical narrative, these 150 chapters about the end times, when I see some of those negative things, like, ugh. Who would do that on purpose? And the Lord says, I'm creating the optimum environment. It has pressure in it, but it has Holy Spirit power. I'm creating the optimum environment to transform the end time church and bring in the billion soul harvest. Trust my leadership. So little by little, when we see it in the book, and I go, I don't get it. And if I was you, I wouldn't let that be in the end time plan. Honestly, Lord, but I trust your leadership. We align little by little and we move forward. Those are spiritual muscles. Those are push-ups. There's not one of them that's the big change, and we do it over and over. And, and at the, uh, on page two, which we're not going to, but the passage I'm looking at, Philippians 3, Paul says, I press on for the goal, the prize, the prize. The verse before, he says this, this one thing, I forget everything. Beloved, on your failures, push delete. Forget it. Forget your failures. Forget your history. Forget it and press on. And a lot of people won't press on because their, their, their memory of their resume is so daunting to them, they won't rise up. They go, no, if you knew me, you would know why I'm not pressing in. I'm like 0 for 100 in follow through. Paul said in the verse before, I don't have it actually, in, I, I edited to make it short for the notes. Paul said, I forget what lies behind. I forget the grand opportunities. I forget my spiritual dedication. I forget my failures. I forget who's mad at me. I push the lead on all of it. I'm pressing on. So let's just pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking, as a spiritual community, we would enter into this conversation at this critical hour of human history, together with our precious brothers and sisters, a thousand congregations in Kansas City. All over Kansas City, there's tens and twenties and thirties leaning into the same things we're talking, and sometimes hundreds. We're not alone. We're in it together with millions. We're all in the same conversation. We need more people in it, but millions are in it right now. 
And we say we forget what happened yesterday. Our resume, we forget our sacrifices. We forget who's mad at us. We forgive who's spoken evil against us. We forget the opportunities we missed out on. We forget it. And we're pressing on. I ask for a spirit of grace, of confidence. This is, this is doable. This is within reach of the Laodicean church to be a mature bride. And I just prophesy over this congregation. It's within reach. It's your destiny. For such a time as this, you're born in this hour of history. It's not an accident that you're 20 or 40 or 80. It's not an accident. It's not an accident you're here. To those online, it's not an accident you're there. You're in the city. You're in among the people that God has put you with. Jump in and don't sit out this training season. Don't hope it goes back to zero, you know, current against us. It's going to increase. But, beloved, I am more confident than ever. And I'd rather be here in this family with this people in this hour than any place in the earth. And a million other people have the same testimony. That makes me happy. But I love this house and this people. So, Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, that's such a time as this. At such a time as this. Let's all stand before the Lord. If you want to. If you're listen, I'm sitting, I'm fine. Then stay seated if you want to. But just take a moment. Spirit of God, I'm asking for grace. I'm asking for a reboot, a reset in my heart. I'm asking for a breakthrough in the next three months, six months, 12 months. It's not all about the six-week fast. It's this year, the breakthrough this year. We love your leadership, Jesus. We don't get it, but we love it. We hardly know you, but we love you. I'm more than what these ashes say. Other you, they will fade. Brothers and sisters, you're more than the ashes of brokenness. You're more than the ashes of your resume. I am not the same when he looks at me. He's gazing at us. I am the road. You are the road. failure that doesn't have a hope. You're a rose to him. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar.
an expression of your beauty. I'm starting to know who I am. I'm the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon. That's the bride of Christ, by the way, in Psalm of Solomon. That's not Jesus, that's the bride of Christ. I am the rose. of Jesus for healing I ask you to release healing we're going to stay with this song too I, love, I just can't get off this song in Jesus name right now I rebuke cancer sickness distortion in our body in our chemistries in our bone structures and eyes and ears I ask for wounds to be healed I ask for women with problems in their female areas to be healed today by the power of God. Right now, I ask you, you are Jehovah Rapha. You walk in the midst of the church. You are the healer. I speak healing and deliverance. I take authority over the spirit of torment that torments people in the night. The spirit of anxiety that makes your stomach sick during the day with fears and phobias. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of the spirit of fear. For you are do not have a spirit of fear, but God has given a sound mind. I ask for grace over phobias and troubles and fears and that impossible situation that you're sick in your stomach over that nobody knows about. Turn it around, Lord. Turn it around, Lord. Turn it around, Lord. Release your healing. Healing now on bodies, on minds, on circumstances. I speak healing right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, we know you're able. We know you're willing. You're willing. This is who you are. This is what you do. We pull the hills of your garment. 
Come and move right now this morning on the internet. Those joining us by web streaming. Take authority over phobia. Over women's problems in their body. Over eyes, skeletal structures, knees, shoulders. We believe you. We believe you no matter how long
the reversal of the heartache, the thing you're longing for that's been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. I ask you for release, Lord. I ask you for release, Lord. Speak directly about your heart for them in this issue. Show them your way and change the circumstance. And if they're missing it, show them the way that has joy. In Jesus' name. Lord, heal broken hearts. Broken hearts are terribly painful. You feel so alone when your heart is hurting. Lord, get us over the speed hump. We can't get over the hump. Get us over the hump. That is you turn it around. situation. Deliverance. Deliverance. So we Solomon chapter 2, Lily of the Valley. You are His. 
expression of his beauty. I am the Lord. That's who you are. I am the Lord. That's why it's worth it. I am your Because you're his. I'm your beauty. Because his beauty has touched you in a measure. I am the Lord. And it's growing. His beauty is growing in you. This is your destiny. This is who you are. I am your starting this fast tomorrow, I will receive several emails, and folks have said, the thing I need to fast is social media, and I'm not so involved in that, so that seems exaggerated, they said, no, this is way bigger than food in my life, it has actually stolen the, stolen the narrative of my heart, and so I want to encourage some folks, if, if that registers with you, maybe that's what you fast, even more than food or different than food, others of you will fast in other ways, so I just wanted to leave that with you. And then I want to pray for our, our government. Just this morning in the, in the prayer meeting this morning before the service here, I was just struck of the need to pray for our government officials. I want to pray for our two senators, Josh Hawley and Roy Blunt. I want to say something about Josh Hawley and his wife, Erin. This is me personally. I love Josh Hawley. I love him. I am so proud of him. I want to stand with him. I know him. He's been to a handful of one-thing conferences over the years. We've had a friendship over the years. He grew up in Kansas City for many years, and he loves Jesus, and I'm so proud of him. And He's getting blasted from our own people and the media, and I'm going, Josh, Aaron, I love you. But I don't just love him, but I really feel special for him. 
I want to pray for Roy Blunt, our two senators, and then Mike Parson, our governor. I just felt stirred this morning. Quinn Lucas, who's the mayor of Kansas City, and of course, our own beloved Leonard Jones in Grandview. We love Leonard Jones. I'm going to pray for our president, for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. I want to pray for them. I want to pray for, I want you to pray with me, for Nancy Pelosi, for real. I want you to. I mean this. This is serious. It's bigger than this and that. Father, I ask you for the spirit of grace on President Biden. I ask you for the glory of God on Kamala Harris. I ask for Nancy Pelosi that you would shock her with a glorious dream and vision of redemption and the glory of God. Show her who she is in your plans. God, I ask you for Chuck Schmooner. I ask you for him. God, I ask you for our senators. I ask you for Donald Trump and his wife and all the arrows that they're taking. I ask for a spirit of cleansing and renewal. You would show them who they are to you, not even just to the nation, to you. I ask that you would tenderize all of these 10 people, I pray. Visit their children. Show them things about their children. Speak to their children in dreams and visions. Show them the glorious destiny they have bigger than the platform they're on right now and even the dream in their heart. Show them glorious things. And I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Amen.